Sarah Rice, and I'm here once again with my friend Therapy Jeff for episode three of This Changes Everything. How are you doing, Jeff? Oh, not great, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, overall, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing great. I was going to try to, like, make you, you ever do that where, like, you're not feeling great, but you, I want to take care of you so that you don't feel so oh, bad that I feel yeah, bad? Yeah, I'm familiar, and I think everybody else is kind of familiar, like, that, that <laughs> comfort the other person. Exactly. Yeah, I'm fine. I don't want Ugh. them to be burdened with this. Mm-hmm. But please burden us. Yeah, so I'm going to burden you and all yeah. of our listeners today. Um, not feeling great, feeling a lot of grief because me and my girlfriend broke up. I was the one that ended the relationship. Um, I don't know if there's a better end to be on, like if you're the one ending it or if you're the one being getting ended on. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it it's sort of... Mm. We ended the relationship. I ended the relationship because it's just sort of like we didn't have the same ideas about what we wanted in the future. That's, you know, kind of, well, it's really hard with adult relationships to come to that Mm -hmm. point where maybe those wants and needs, like we talked about, I don't know, Mm -hmm. an episode or two ago, Mm -hmm. are different. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you just said that I think is, is such an important word to highlight is grief. Mm-hmm. I think people think grief is like reserved for like people who are dying or when we like right. lose like somebody like that. But yeah. loss is loss is loss, you know, loss is loss is loss and grief. I don't know if you've experienced this as a therapist, but when I am counseling people that are going through grief, mm. uh, it's one of the most tricky things to do therapy for because grief is not it shows up in so many different ways like sometimes you can be angry sometimes you can be in denial sometimes you're just like how do i make this stop how can i get this person back sometimes you're like avoiding it and it can, it can change just throughout the day and for me it's just sort of like this heavy this heavy feeling my heart is feels twisted and it hurts and it feels like my eyes behind my eyes like i'm just sort of like welling up inside oh all day long yeah so yeah the emotion is right on the surface the emotion is right on the surface and that's why our topic today makes sense because it's just it's how to feel your feelings and i how to feel your feelings i'm feeling it yeah i mean i think before you can even know how to comfort yourself when you're feeling those feelings of grief you have to first be able to even identify that like you didn't say what i'm feeling is grief and even recognize you know i love what you just did you highlighted so many things that are important is you you know i talk a lot to clients about uh the physiological feelings Mm -hmm. like symptoms of feelings Mm -hmm. or or how we know we're feeling a feeling by listening to our body and how you just said, you know, I have this heavy feeling, this weight, which kind of is a description of a feeling Mm -hmm. and the welling up behind my eyes. It's a feeling, you know, and a physiological Mm -hmm. experience. And when we are able to identify and label those, Mm -hmm. it kind of like creates this, it builds the, the file in our, our, you know, brains file cabinet for, what it what what is grief and the more we can identify those kind of things the better we can recognize what we're feeling in the moment and then give ourselves what we need mm-hmm. yeah that's so important and it's something that we oftentimes forget or we just don't really know how to do but that question of like where do you feel it in your body yeah. is really important because like you're saying like there is a physiological you know, um, connection to our emotional feelings. And when we can identify it, we can be like more aware of like, Oh, so my heart feels heavy and twisted oh, and yeah. it, re- it literally feels like heartache. Oh, and that is connected to my grief sure and to my loss. And if you're not really connected to your body, then you might not know what's going on. You might feel like sort of like disembodied is sort of like what we say yeah. sometimes, or just like where we're just like so disconnected, avoidant, um, dissociated possibly. Maybe in our own heads a lot. Yeah, just really in your own head and where you have. So a lot of times, like when I'm feeling a feeling, I'm actually, I'm feeling it physically. I'm feeling it emotionally. And it's important for me to not get like too lost in my head and too lost in my thoughts. Because if I do that, then I just sort of like spin out and I can start to feel even worse or I can start to feel really anxious. Right. 
Um, so it, it, it's, I also like have kind to of tr- like intensifying that feeling in a <sighs> way, but you're creating your own yes. thoughts are, are yes. creating or turning up the volume on whatever you're feeling rather than maybe just witnessing it, mm-hmm. accepting it and working through it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, real, there's that witnessing it and just sort of like being present with it sort of like Mm -hmm. quote unquote sitting with the feeling and it's important to do that so that you're not just like reactive. And I've been telling people this week, it's only Mm -hmm. been four days, but you know, how are you feeling? What are you doing? And I'm just like, if I was 24 years old, I would be back with Stacy right now. There's no way I would tolerate this feeling. It is so fucking horrible. That is such (laughs) an interesting thing to, Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of like identify in yourself Mm -hmm. that, yeah. You can see what the former behave like, like how you would want to cope with this and manage this feeling that you're having right now yeah. in a, I don't know, less mature or, or <laughs> more unhealthy way. Or, yeah. More reactive. Just more sort reactive of like, way. I can't, I like, I'm, I, it's so uncomfortable to feel that like, I know the way to not feel this anymore is to like, be like, Stacy, take me back. And then like, she probably feels horrible and uncomfortable. So she might want to do that as well. And we can both feel a certain amount of relief maybe for that day or for that week or for a month. I don't know, but eventually we'll probably like, we'll get back to like the issues and the problems that were unresolvable when it came down to it. Uh, so instead I just have to sit in this stupid fucking feeling and (laughs) Uh, tolerate tolerate the emotion. So how do, how do you tolerate these oh my gosh. sorts of feelings I want to know. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the exper- I had an experience. It's funny because like, I think grief is such a big one because it's so heavy and it's so, it can be so final. Ugh, yeah. You know, a lot of other feelings that feels like there's a second chance or there's, you know, there's a, something you could do, mm-hmm. but there's really a feeling of being out of control with grief. So I think the feelings can be so heavy and we can really not want to face them. So I was going to therapy for a while and who isn't, you know, we all do this. It's like just which part of my life, at which, right. at which time was I in therapy? So this was the therapy session or this was the therapy, uh, uh, period, uh, yeah. uh Right after I had a miscarriage and not even right after it was probably a year after it was like, Mm -hmm. kind of like when I was deciding to get a divorce Mm -hmm. and just dealing with a lot of feelings. And my therapist, I was very tearful when discussing the miscarriage and, you know, she talked to me about like, she asked me if I had allowed myself to grieve and to really feel mm. the feelings of sadness. And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. I feel, feel it. Like I was very in my head and I was very like, I understood and, and uh, like the bigger picture mm-hmm. I understood. And I, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's very like rational about it. And I thought me being able to rationalize it was the same as me. Yeah. Feeling it. No, mm-hmm. no. incorrect. absolutely incorrect so she gave me the homework assignment of like allowing myself to feel the feeling it's not going to take that long she also said you're going to probably notice like it's kind of like driving through a tunnel you're going to have to like go through a tunnel and it gets very 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 dark in the middle of that tunnel and you're going to be like no i'm going to turn around i'm going to go out like i'm going to you know whatever my Mm. escape route is Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people like for me it's thinking about others instead of myself Mm. or like putting other people's like I'll, I'll start to feel my feeling and then I'll say, Ooh, I'm getting an idea that's really good for this client right now. Let me go write that down. No, tend to your own feelings, sit with the feeling, you know, that's just another way to avoid. Um, so I, I knew that I was going to, that's like my, what I do to turn around and like exit the tunnel. And so she was like, you have to go through the tunnel and just sit with the feeling. And so I did. And she said, find something that can make you, you know, kind of get emotional. So, um, I, I, she said, I, I was starting to get to the point where I wasn't playing anymore. I got very serious in life and mm-hmm. I was like, the, that sadness was making me just very serious mm-hmm. and I needed to get in touch with like that connection to being a kid again. So she mm-hmm. recommended the movie Christopher Robin, I think it's called oh. where it's with, um, oh, I can't remember his name. I'm the worst with names ever. He, he's a guy that sings in movies and he was in <laughs> big fish and he's really great. Ewan McGregor. Oh, my God. Oh my. I dig it. Good Woo! Job, good she job. got there. 
Um, that never happens for me. Um, I'm pretty sure that's him. It's probably not. Uh, but uh, it, I think it's him. And he, like, goes back to kind of, like, connecting with his childhood self. Right, it's really right, adorable. Right, yeah. I sat on my couch. I felt this feeling. I felt that heaviness that sat like I was like, mm-hmm. OK, what is sadness? What is this physiological? What do I feel in my body as I sit here? I'm going to let myself feel the sadness with the thoughts that come with the sadness. Let myself think those. Mm-hmm. I felt so sad in my heart, that heaviness so much. I was like, oh, my God, what is this burning sensation in my mm. heart? I gave myself heartburn. Wow. I was thinking so much about like the the heaviness was so sad. Like I let it really like, and I was like, what? My heart feels like it's burning. I'm like, wait a sec. Is this heartburn? I'd never had heartburn in my entire life. And so like, and it's weird because that's like a symptom of, of being pregnant. And it's weird that as I'm like processing the miscarriage, like Mm -hmm. I get like a symptom of pregnancy, but it, I, it wasn't even that long. It was maybe like five minutes and I just let myself cry, let myself really feel it. And then afterwards I was, did like one of these, like, Whew. And like, it felt lighter and I stopped crying at the mention of hmm. miscarriage or a thought of it. It was mm-hmm. like the memories were there, but the emotions weren't there. I wasn't tied to the emotions anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that was my experience with sitting with that feeling. And I had never done that. I can, I mean, I can remember we just try to avoid those mm-hmm. uncomfortable feelings. We do. I, it's it's a real natural thing for anybody. Um, like yeah. if you feel bad, you want to avoid feeling bad. Feeling bad is horrible. You want to do whatever you can to not. But with like really big, like legitimately sad experiences that we have, a lot of times around grief, like we're talking about, it's you can't really escape it. And so it's, it's impossible to escape it. Yeah, and it's going to affect you. But those feelings, you. like like some, I I heard somewhere that the how deeply you feel grief is related or, or inversely related or however mm-hmm. you say that to how much you loved and cared about the person mm-hmm. or whatever, how important the thing was. Mm-hmm. So really it's just an acknowledgement and recognition of how special and how mm-hmm. important something is, which is so beautiful because we wouldn't care about it. We wouldn't grieve if we didn't. So like every, that's like a really important question to ask is like, What's the, even the purpose of a feeling? What the heck is the point of a feeling? <laughs> that is a that is a good good question, and I, I feel like it really depends who you're asking. Like I oh. think there's a lot of different theories, maybe, or different like schools of thought on like what is the point of a feeling. Um, you can you can try to be like. Uh, <laughs> You can try to look at it as like, well, you know, when you have a feeling, that's a sign that you're having some thoughts that um, are not, you know, in alignment with with what you want. And and you might want to, like, change your thoughts in order to, like, change your feeling. If you take, like, a real cognitive sort of approach. Yeah. You're annoyed by that approach, aren't you? I could tell you're like, (laughs) oh, well, if you do that, like. (laughs) You know, yeah. yeah, But it is fine in certain circumstances. Yeah. I'm not like totally against cognitive behavioral sort of therapy. Like I use it all the time. It's very handy. You can't really go that deep with it a lot of times. And it's not going to like solve your, it's not going to fix, like change your environment. It's not going to like lift you out of poverty. It's not going to get my girlfriend back. Like, it's just sort of like, I can like sort of understand things better and maybe like shift my perspective if I can, but I'm still like in the middle of a huge loss. And I like what you said where you're like, it's very symbolic sometimes of just like how important that person was. And that's what I've been thinking too, is that like, I loved her. I still love her. I'm feeling the loss. Of course I'm going to feel these feelings and and when I'm in it and I ask myself like what is the purpose of feeling feelings well it feels like I I don't know it's just it's fucking horrible like I just don't want to feel it anymore like what is the purpose I have no idea but it's also like connected to my like humanness like I'm a human we're supposed to feel feelings and sometimes I don't know if this is like a stupid positive reframe but like we have to no such thing (laughs) We have to feel the bad feelings in order to like understand how the how good the yes. good feelings are. Like it's important for us to like experience contrast yeah. in life. 
so that we can like get the like full understanding, like the rainbow of emotions. Um, that's like that there's like so much in there to appreciate or have gratitude for. Um, but I think that like, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if I can like give like a really good answer to like, what is the purpose of having feelings or why, what do you think? I mean, I kind of like, sometimes I simplify it in, you know, the positive feelings tell us to go towards something. Mm. The negative feelings tell us to pull away from something. You know, if you have to stick your hand in fire, you have ouch feelings. Yes. And there's also, you know, there's this feeling that our bad feelings are going to last forever. Like when Mm. we're sad, we're like, oh my God, I'm never going to feel not Mm -hmm. sad again. And I think there's a biological reason for that because if your brain said, ah, this probably won't last so long, maybe you wouldn't pull your hand out of the fire. You'd leave your hand in there and you'd be like, yeah, it's probably not going to last long. But instead your brain's like, this might last forever. Quick, get your hand out and you move it. Mm -hmm. And then the, 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 the things that are positive, you know, they, that it's the experiences that we have that bring joy, the things that, that, you know, you get those good feelings when mm-hmm. I look at a sunset and things like that. When I go camping, oh, Jeff. God. Barf, okay. Barf, I'm right? Happy for you. Yeah. Yep. When I do that, like I get those good and it tells me, Oh, you should probably do more of this. There's something right. that that does to like regulate my system, help me like create some positive benefit. I think the thing that it's kind of unfortunate is sometimes we become experts in tuning into the negative feelings. Mm. You know, every, I feel like so many people are experts in how they feel when they're anxious. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know exactly how I feel when I'm like stressed and anxious and worried and all that. But when I ask people like, how do you feel? How do you know when you're happy or when mm. you're mm-hmm. feeling joy? A lot of times the answer is just not, there isn't anxiety there there isn't the feeling like the str- the presence of stress isn't there and right. in a way i kind of feel like that's saying to your brain like don't think of pink elephants and it can't help but do that mm-hmm. like we we don't there's all this pressure i think that we feel to like always be happy but we we rarely take the time to like practice being present and recognize mm-hmm. when we are happy we're mm-hmm. all experts in when we're anxious but you know, I, yeah, I think that's very true. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. And even like, even though I'm like my overall feeling for the last four days has been like heavy grief, there's still like, I still can feel a lot of other feelings. I feel really connected to you, Sarah. I feel like I'm having a good time. Like I feel relief. I feel like I'm having fun. I can also like put on some of my favorite music and like dance around. I can like talk to my clients and feel really satisfied. I can like be really creative and be really proud of myself. I can even look at the breakup on Sunday and be like, I did a hard thing. Oh, like I was you're in gonna alignment. Make me emo- I'm going to get teary eyed. This is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Just like being in alignment with myself, even though it was really hard. Oh. Yeah. It's where, totally where making there, somebody's cutting from, onions yeah. over here. <laughs> it, what you're saying is like, it's almost like we were talking like, what's the purpose of grief? Grief would you say that you like experienced being a human a little deeper and mm-hmm. were like a little more like mm-hmm. connected? Mm-hmm. It yes. really, yeah. You know, I read this book once called Confessions of a Funeral Director by this guy who was a, well, funeral director. Mm-hmm. And he talked a lot about how we in the United States have a very like negative death narrative and there. You know, we try to try to avoid it, but he spends a lot of time around death. And so he sees like the beautiful things that can come with it. And he said that it so many like if you if you if you not like ignore, but if you just like put to the side the grief and the sadness of a person passing away, Mm -hmm. you can see how 
it brings families together mm-hmm. how like people don't care about like nobody in their last moments I remember when I was with my grandma like the day before she died I did not care about her bodily functions like how or mm-hmm. anything like that all the you know I didn't care about that blackhead that I've been staring at I swear to God for 10 years on her face <laughs> that I've been dying to get I let it go uh-huh. you know like all those things that just kind of like see the person we can be more like connected and so I don't you know it is kind of kind of a beautiful side to grief it got me all teary-eyed over here Look whatever oh this all is so in my sweet. feelings <laughs> i know so yeah they're, you're right i think they're like feeling grief feeling sadness whatever it is it really kind of like opens up you really get into like the human experience and there's uh-huh. a lot of appreciation and gratitude and yeah. i'm always really proud of my clients or friends that do hard things and make difficult decisions, even if it's really tricky. Like, and part of the reason it was like so hard for me to end things with Stacy mm-hmm. is that like, yes, there was, we, I, we grew in different directions and we had different outlooks on what we wanted in life. And those are like some deal breakers that we couldn't get around. However, like I've talked a little bit about my family with you and on this podcast. One of the things that like, one of the experiences I had in my family is that I never felt chosen. Like Mm. it was my sister who was chosen or it was my parents who were choosing their partners. Like I was just sort of ignored and left behind. Like I was never really seen or acknowledged the way that I wanted to, Mm -hmm. to be. And Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I eventually That's I start... the important stuff. I know. I'm, I'm yada, yada over some important stuff here. But when I'm in a relationship and when I was like with Stacy, even though there was some things that weren't good matches, she was choosing me. Yeah. And feeling chosen mm-hmm. is makes me want to stay in a relationship forever and deal with anything that might be a bad match or might be toxic or might be healthy. Uh, or, or unhealthy, I mean. Yeah. So... The And I think that a lot of us go through that, whether it's with our family or in relationships in the future or with friend groups or something, or just like wanting to be chosen and staying with somebody who might not be a good match or who could even be abusive, but it's just like, well, they choose me and I'm going to prioritize that over everything. And sometimes we subconsciously do that and we don't even know that's what's happening. Because it's deep down, like we want, you know, if you think about these, these, behaviors and and the things that we it's like an iceberg you know that's just like the Mm -hmm. tip of the iceberg is is Mm -hmm. what you see is the um uh you know oh please don't leave me like wanting to be chosen but Mm -hmm. if you get down if you look at all the layers underneath that the the expectations the from others or from yourself the the beliefs or perceptions Mm -hmm. and you go deep deep down at the very very bottom of that iceberg Mm -hmm. is like what is the core like desire what does the self really want what is that ultimate need mm-hmm. and it's to be chosen and so you're going to do a bunch of things like build a bunch of things on top of that that mm-hmm. you know like ultimately like try to get that need met and because yeah. it feels like the thing you ultimately want but if you can yeah. like it's so important and so or so beneficial to understand what that ultimate need is what Mm -hmm. that like true self desires Mm -hmm. because then you can look for you know healthy other ways to get it or Mm -hmm. how yeah i don't know exactly and and that's sort of like how i'm looking at things right now and also how i look at things with clients where i'm just like okay so for me there's this like i don't know i feel like he's like eight-year-old Jeff, Mm. like wanting to feel chosen, but not being seen or chosen by his parents. So there's a part of me that really wants to be chosen, wants to be seen, wants to be loved. There's another part of me that wants to get some other needs met in a relationship that I'm not getting met in this relationship. And Mm -hmm. we can kind of like, there's just so, so many different parts of me. And sometimes we like over identify with a specific part and we have to kind of like take a step back and be like, well, these are just parts of you. And that's how I talk to my clients is like, wow, it sounds like a really big part of you wants to do this. A part of you is really sad about this. A really, uh, another part of you is really happy or proud. And sometimes those parts of you are incredibly conflicting, 
let's, can I just talk to the sad part? Can I just talk to the happy part, to the proud part, to the scared part, to the fearful yeah. part? What does that part look like? What are they saying? Let's also like, there's always a part of you that's like coming in being like, you should feel ashamed for feeling these feelings. Fuck the that part. part. Get that, yeah. yeah. Get that judgy shame part out of here. I'll talk to Get you later. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't need your shit though. You know, like yeah. I just want to talk to the part of you that's feeling this specific feeling, grief or sadness or not being chosen. And also then like take a step back and, and acknowledge that like, and then there's your self that's watching all these parts oh God, that's yes. witnessing them or talking to them or interacting with them or saying that this one's true or this one's false or this one's the most powerful or whatever it is. And if you can like see all those parts, take a step back, understand that you're the self that you have like control over which ones you identify with that can be really enlightening, you know? You know, it was so fun to even just hear you say that because, or like, go through all that. Because that's like a concept, you know, I, I can understand in my head. But when I mm-hmm. think about something, you know, I took, like, some little example of, like, what's, like, something that only, like, a part of me believes, you know? Oh, I'm not good enough or whatever. Right. And it wasn't until you really... kept talking about all those parts. There's a part of you that does this, there's a part of you that does that, Mm -hmm. that I could see myself kind of externalizing that, distancing myself from that part, recognizing that Mm -hmm. that part is just a part of me. And even though, again, this is a concept I, I like, I always say this because people say like, Oh, you're a therapist. Like, why do you have to go to therapy? It's (laughs) kind of like, you can't tickle yourself. (laughs) Good point. Like I can't do and and recognize myself by myself what i just recognized listening to you say those mm. things mm. and it i could feel myself in my mind getting further and further away from that little part and going oh yeah that's only like a small part that's not all of me when before i would be like oh no that's that's not i don't like i don't want to touch that or i would have very like judgmental feeling that judgmental part would come mm. in mm-hmm. like i even though these are things that i i in my mind know it it does so much to hear it out loud, to mm-hmm. experience that, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and yeah, therapy and magic, feel, man. Therapy magic, and it's all of a sudden it's just sort of like, wow, this changes everything. There you go. See, I'm telling you, <laughs> I am telling you. But there's there's also like, if we want to keep on, so if anyone's interested in parts work, is what it's called. There's a yes. theory called oh, internal family it. systems. Which is internal family systems I always thought was like family therapy or something. It's not. It's like the internal like parts that are inside of you. And so I think there's a newer book called No Bad Parts. Um, which also I don't like the title of that book, um, but it's but it's fine. It, go read the book; it's really interesting. I like. And, I love it. It's so positive. That's what I. I am the most positive. Like <laughs> everything's so happy. It's great. Like, uh-huh. ugh, it's the worst. I, and there's there's a reason that like we have these parts that they develop. You know, yes. like a lot of times they're reacting to something that happened in our childhood, and we're. We're like trying to survive a situation. So we're going to get really judgy. A part of us is going to be really judgy to be like, what's safe? What's okay? Like, who do I hate? What's going on? How can I be cool? I want to be popular. So like, it's really important for us to be judgmental in order to like, or a part of us is going to be really sad. And we became sad back in the day because that got us attention or we got soothed or we got, we felt relief or something. So there's all these different parts. So it's easy to kind of like get mad at all the different parts when really we need to sort of like be compassionate and love the different parts and know that like they got us through really hard times. I love it. <laughs> You're vibing. Is, I, I love it. Is this, okay. Is there a woman who's kind of like spearheads all this that you can think of the name off the top of your head? It's a, there's lots of different people. Um, there's a dude, I'm forgetting the dude's name who wrote no bad parts. Who's really, he's like made it into a spiritual practice now, actually. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to make Oh, no bad parts. Yeah, I see it right here. Who's, what's the, what's the author? Uh, it is uh, Dr. Schwartz. Yeah. Schwartz. Yeah, so he's the one that sort of like coined all of these things. Okay. But he's got a lot of supporters who yeah, also. Yeah, I must be thinking, there's a, I went to a, um, uh, DBT. 
mm, dialectical training behavioral therapy and mm-hmm. the woman who Marsha Linehan she I believe maybe I think that was it she was the creator Marsha Linehan like and yeah and we talked a lot about the parts and she had this this idea or this this technique that she used of imagining a boardroom mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have all the different members of the boardroom who are mm-hmm. in there Classic. and it's really powerful stuff and like who do you want to have who's like running mm-hmm. the meeting at the yeah. boardroom and sometimes it's that like 5 year old who's like <laughs> You know, and they could be there to make decisions, but decisions like what flavor ice cream are we going to have? Not <laughs> right. decisions like who should I be in a relationship with? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Visualizing that boardroom meeting with all the different parts there. And then even just like talking to your therapist, having therapists be like, okay, now we're going to hear from this person and this part yes. and that part. Um, and you can also kind of be like, where did this, is this your, is this your dad's voice? Is this your sister's voice? Like, is this mm-hmm. capitalism? Is this, um, yeah. Hollywood that's telling you this? Like you can like really start to identify where these parts and narratives come uh, from. You know, yes, that is kind of like one of those, th- these, these two concepts go together for me. These are these two, uh, I don't know, like important lessons to learn, like therapy 101, like what is a feeling mm-hmm. and identifying thoughts you know Mm -hmm. i think we struggle to identify feelings that makes it hard to know what we need to tend to those feelings or even work through those feelings or be not or not be reactive and learn how to tolerate those feelings um and we also think that we are all of the thoughts that we have and that we get like every thought is is you and mm-hmm. not just your brain doing its job, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to identify with everything that you think. And in fact, you can like analyze it and be really curious about where it's coming from and if it's serving you and why is it's it there, even right? yours? Is it even yours? Cause it's likely not. Right. Right. Like, yeah. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. And, you know, it, I think it's fun that I, I've, since I've been on reality television and because, like, you know, even having a, a podcast and, you know, maybe you've experienced this being on social media and just, like, having a, a ongoing, like, documented, I don't know. Ex- Persona or. Thing that you get to, like, look, like, archive of, like, oh, yourself. Yeah, you look sure. back, you go, oh, my God, that's, like, my mom. Oh my God, that is my dad. Oh my God. Like you could see it. I mean, I can, I'm like, and I feel like maybe listeners, you guys get like, when you say something, maybe to your kids or something, you're like, Mm. oh my God, that was my mother's voice. Oh my God. So if we're doing that, Mm -hmm. just, and sounding like them, you don't think we got some thoughts floating around that might be theirs, not ours. Right. And that, I mean, and it totally makes sense, understandably, like you grew up with these people, whoever is really important to you, whether it's friends or sibling or family or whoever, or a role model, like you're going to start like adopting some of these parts or these messages that people are sending. You're going to take on those narratives. But one of like the fantastic things about therapy or just being thoughtful and being aware and mindful is that like you get to decide like, well, does this actually resonate with my own values that I think are important that I created? Not that I'm being told I should value, or if I'm like the cool hip kid that's like, you know, thinking about like everything else. You're like, you can really decide what you want and check in with your own internal map instead of like all the external maps that are being like thrown at you. Um, But as kids, as we're developing, like we try on all these different identities. We don't really know who our self is. Oh, God. I I didn't know for so long. And I got tattoos during this time. This is a mistake. You don't like some of your tattoos? No. The other day, (laughs) Susie showed me a photo 
Susie is my co-host on the Brain Candy right. Podcast, for those of you who do not know. Uh, she showed me a photo. We talked about the, the photo that Tommy Lee put up on Instagram mm. for a minute that got taken down that included his uh, penis. Oh, I didn't see that. And I was distracted from the penis by the revolver guns that he had on his hips that I also have. <laughs> I have the same tattoos as Tommy Lee. I mean, but do I regret those? Yes, yes, now I do, <laughs> and I'm very anti-gun. <laughs> sure, but I I'm mean, pro it's not gun like, control. <laughs> you're not. It's not like people are going to see that and be like, "Well, she loves shooting guns." Like she's right, into, but you right. know, I just feel like ugh, that was like I was definitely trying a, an identity that that was much like tougher. Yeah. Oh, I remember than... that. I, I I've seen those guns on, on oh hips before. Oh my god! What? I, I, what year was that that you got that? Do you remember? Oh man, I well, I got the majority of my tattoos from the time I was eighteen to probably mm. twenty five. I oh, didn't wow. get that many. Yeah. Yeah, you were young. Like. I did. I maybe even earlier. I didn't get that. I had most of them done by the time I was on the real world, and mm-hmm. I would have to go back and look. Maybe I think so. Whatever. Yeah, these guys have been on here for a long time now, and it was a time where I remember I was really struggling with feeling uh, uncomfortable in my body, mm-hmm. and I felt. Uh, like a lot of people were labeling me and judging me if they, whether they were or not, I still don't, I, who knows, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in my little kid mind, I felt like people looked at me and they would say, Oh yeah, Sarah, she's like the chubby one or mm-hmm. she's that. And they would use that as the descriptor in my mind. That's mm-hmm. what I would, which is like, hello. And it was child of the nineties where it was like Calvin Klein models were beautiful. Now, now mm-hmm. they would have been like, "Damn, that girl's got a great butt," and right. I wouldn't be a problem at all. It's so right. silly. That's why we can't think, listen to things like that. But uh, so I just wanted to instead. I wanted people to know me as Sarah with all the tattoos. Yes. So I wanted that to be, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was like trying on like I'm going to be like goth and I'm going to be rockabilly and I'm going to be like you know all these things. None, no, at no time did I think I'm going to be Sarah. Mm. Never was that something that crossed my mind. And it wasn't until I was about 32, I don't know, like maybe later, until after my divorce, where I was like, wait a sec. Mm-hmm. I know who I should be. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, God, yeah. I never, I don't have any tattoos. Um, oh, I like, well, that's, that's better. <laughs> I think, think so. so. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I like, I don't know. I go back and forth. I mean, I I love tat. I love when other people have tattoos. I think yeah. it's like a really hot, attractive thing. I mean, there's some not so great tattoos out there. Yeah, like revolvers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, ah. I love that. Um, yeah. I wonder. Do you feel like there should be like an age limit on like yes. when? Yeah. Yes. Because uh, yeah, and you should have to like write a statement of why. <laughs> If you can't come up with a good freaking reason, not allowed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God. I mean, I just, I wish, because now I do really love, I still love tattoos and I want more, but mm-hmm. now I wish, I think I'm at the place where I'm, I might get some removed a little bit to then tattoo mm-hmm. over it, which is so mm-hmm. crazy to do. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just feels like I was wearing a, an expensive sweater for a long time and mm-hmm. now I'm going to have to like pay to take the sweater off and then put a new sweater on. Mm-hmm. And so like, maybe I'm trying to like rationalize it in my mind of like, <laughs> but when I literally look like the other day, I took kind of a, an inventory of my tattoos and I was like, this, this, Oh, you know what it was? I had a mosquito bite on the back of my neck mm-hmm. and I was like, that thing feels insane. So I took a photo of it with my phone oh. And then I saw a tattoo on the back of my neck that I don't think I've actually seen for years. And I was like, this thing is shitty. This thing is awful. I have an infinity symbol, but the infinity symbol doesn't even close. So is it technically an infinity symbol? What? No, it's like a brush stroke. Like it was supposed to be brush strokey, oh, but that I see, I see. did not trans. So nobody, un- they artistic. didn't get that. Yeah. It was, no. And I'm just like, what? 
I don't know. It just, it's a lot of the ones that I just don't see. So, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. fun memories. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A I lot of that. trying on hats, trying yeah. on different hats, not knowing who I am. Now I know who I am. It's a person who wants tattoos, but I got well, you memories know, all, of past. All these tattoos symbolize a certain part of you. Um, yeah. from who you were in the past that also probably comes along with like a certain like narrative or feeling or identity. And unfortunately, I guess like the identities that I tried on when I was in my like teenager twenties yeah. was just sort of like, I got piercings. So you can just sort of like oh. take those out. I dyed my hair, lots of different colors and painted my yeah. nails really bright. I sort nice. of like played around. I was like a little, like really femi for a while, um, just to kind of like this. see how that worked, and but like this was all just like you know clothes and yeah. whatever and things I could take on and I'm off a pretty big, easily. Big fan of painted nails on <sighs> men. I paint Love my nails. boyfriend's nails every other week. It's fucking hot. It's the best. We have yeah. we have grooming time. I do all the grooming things. So it's the <laughs> best. He's like, and he thinks he's winning in the relationship. He's like, this is great. I sure. make dinner and you paint my nails. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Uh-huh. You make dinner and I paint your Like yeah. I got, I got, this is fun for me. So yes, I'm a big, big fan of, of mm-hmm. all of that. And mm-hmm. yeah, those are, those are less, uh, um, permanent. Right. I mean, piercings maybe. Uh, piercings maybe. Yeah. But still, um, you can take the piercing out. There might just be like a little, was there, what do you, do you have like a cringy like time where you're just like, Oh, I remember that. That was real, real cringy. It was like your teenage dirtbag years, I guess, so to speak. (laughs) I know. I, it it was probably when I was 17 where there's a part of me that's like kind of proud of myself for like really stepping out of who I was before. Like I was a little baseball player jock for like most of my childhood. And then at like 16 or so I decided to kind of like shift and I, I was that guy, and let's all remember, like it was the '90s, and yeah, this was like, a good choice for me. I was going to say this is very the, like yeah. like ahead of your time. Sure, to be yeah. Like this. Um, so mid '90s, I was I was I like bleached my hair, so I had like the bleach tips, you know. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> and like these, like I a lot of times I made those sort of like Statue of Liberty spikes, where I would like yes. take my hair yes. and make them. You know what I'm oh talking about? Oh my gosh! Yes. And I fucking pulled that off, but I also was going for like a raver sort of thing where I had a lot of necklaces. <laughs> I can picture this. I picture um, whatever the the musical person from Xenon Girl of the 21st century was. She, there was like a, a guy who sang, oh my God, it was like a Disney sh- movie and he had spiky blonde hair like that. And I definitely, yeah. and kind of like yeah. raver vibes. Oh, yeah. And I definitely picture you. All of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about right I now. Even, for and some like, reason, yes. I, I wore like baggy jeans and like suspenders. I thought it was cool to wear like oh suspenders gosh. with like uh, one of those like, you know, baseball sort of three quarter length t-shirts uh-huh. and then like glasses from like Venice Beach or just sort of like big oh yellow framed glasses. I it was swear. What I would do for around. a photo of that. Safety pins in my ears. That yeah. sort of Oh thing. my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So that I'll is, send you a photo. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Oh, <laughs> that's definitely going up on the uh, the yeah. old uh, podcast page for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, but all of our, you know, and definitely like I, we want to see your. I want to see the teenage teenage dirtbag. Like know, what phase like is like cringy mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. Oh goodness, those are fun though. Do you feel like kids now have a an awkward phase in the same way? Like, are they going to look back and feel as uh, like like we do? When I think about, I like I really had an awkward phase because it took until I discovered the hair straightener, and then I was like, oh, now I know what to do with myself. Uh-huh. Before that, it was a hot mess over here. I think, and uh, yeah, I think they will. I, I and also because like trends are like cycling back. We're going through some of like those eighties yeah. and nineties trends again. Yeah. And you know why trends like. I feel like trends change so quickly because they're yeah. all so fucking ugly. Like they sure it's just are. sort of like we're going through them because we like Whew. eventually notice six months in, like what the fuck is, so, is this? Is, I think like baggy pants and suspenders is right around the corner. <laughs> we're gonna see that. 
I know we are. Maybe it was some sort of. I, I think there was also like I was really into ska for a little bit. So oh my god, like, me too. Like ska influence. I don't know yeah. what I was doing. I even cra- I got crazy into religious ska. <laughs> I didn't even know that in, was in a my ska. family. Oh yes, supertones. In my family, <laughs> uh, uh, it was the way to rebel was to go to church. Oh. So my mom was like, we don't, we're just like free spirits and do whatever. Oh. And I was like, like Alex P. Keaton or whatever his name is. Uh, who And uh, right. I, or Andrew P. Keaton. Alex no, P. Alex P. Keaton. P. Keaton you I got right. think I was right. Yes. And uh, uh, yeah, I was like, well, I'm going to Bible study. <laughs> you showed You can't stop me. I'm going to have and a relationship so, with Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And she was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny, and uh, yeah, that was that was kind of how I that was definitely a phase. Oh my gosh, I found some photos the other day mm-hmm. of uh, of me from my sixth grade graduation, which I think mm-hmm. was like nineteen ninety eight, maybe or something like that, maybe a little earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And woo, the dresses that every like it, it was a look, but all of them are available in. Your local Target. So I remember being so annoyed with my mother whenever she would say, like, we would go clothes shopping and she'd be like, what? This? I was wearing these. I invented these. Like, uh-huh. like this is, I am the, doing that. Right? Just like we said, we, yeah. like I was saying earlier, how we, like we'd become our parents. I am mm-hmm. absolutely walking around Target going, what? I wore this. This was mine. What are they doing? Mm-hmm. And so we just are, are the same. That's it. I mean, lucky for me is that eventually in the 90s, the later 90s, I settled on my style, which essentially has not changed since then, which was like a graphic tee and a flannel. And you don't see me in a flannel because it's summertime, but once fall okay. comes, you'll see me in a flannel for the next nine months. Like nice. a comfy flannel, a graphic tee. The flannel's usually kind of like wearing, you know, they're just it's, so thin. And yeah, like people worn. pay extra for that now. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 classic. Never going out of style. I think mm-hmm. we are similar. I never took off my overalls. I have been wearing no overalls wear yeah. like for every like so many of my childhood photos. Overalls, overalls, over teenage years. Overalls on all the challenges. Overalls now mm-hmm. really popular in every store. Overalls. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like I think we and so are graphic tees and flannels. Exactly. So we have held on to our style long enough for it to be. All, very trendy again. Look at us, Sarah. We are trendsetters. Yes, basically, we are. What it comes down to, yeah, that's great. This yep. this podcast episode has taken a journey. It's been. It's it, gone. <laughs> it's, it sure has. It's really. It started with a really heavy, sad grief. How do you feel? Feelings, different parts, and now it's gone into like talking about the different parts of us when we're in high school and yeah it kind of took us down memory lane and didn't we talk earlier about how grief kind of like helps Mm -hmm. you explore more of the human experience and Mm -hmm. you know i think Mm -hmm. it does kind of lead to that lead Mm -hmm. to those like happy memories things like that yeah oh how are you feeling how's the heaviness a little lighter. Yeah. yeah. I like talking yeah. to you. You're such a good person to talk to. I'm, oh, I, your clients are so lucky to have you. I feel the same about you. You're right. They no. are lucky. Yeah. Don't. We have don't I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, but I use a lot of CBT. So I don't know. Maybe you won't. Like, maybe they aren't that. No, hey, I'm kidding. CBT. <laughs> there is a real specific use for that. There's no getting around it when you're a therapist. You're going to use it whether you true. like it or not. You got to yeah. use it. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I really thank you for for being vulnerable and sharing and open up opening up with those mm-hmm. hard feelings and emotions that are like I it, nobody wants to experience but are so familiar. Yeah, but I think it's I feel good because I know that like I you know, we're new friends, but I also know that you have like a lot of emotional capacity and you're able to like hold that emotional space. Absolutely. For me. And I hope that everybody else has a friend like Sarah where they can oh, like talk to somebody that can like that isn't that you know, you're validating me, you're telling me about how you also can feel those feelings. You're not like making me talk about something else I don't want to talk about or tell me to just like cheer the fuck up. Like you're just sort oh, of no, like never, ever. sitting in that feeling with me. And yeah. if you don't have a therapist, then I hope you have a friend that can do this <sighs> with you. Yeah. And 
Like I Me said, too. Like, it changes Thank everything. You. That changes everything when you have a friend. It really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And you know, as the person like that you are saying is doing all this stuff, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I, what the heck did I do? I didn't do much. And, you know, I was thinking the other day about some people that I wanted to reach out to and just kind of like let know I'm there for them. And I thought about like, what goes into that? What do I actually need? Like before I say I'm there for you. Can I be there for them? What is required of me being Mm -hmm. there? And I really said, like, what would I need in that moment? The only thing that we often need to do to be, quote, unquote, there for somebody is listen, is is Mm -hmm. just validate and hear them and Mm -hmm. not try to change Mm -hmm. it, not try to, like, I don't know, make it not a thing, Mm -hmm. but just be there. And it doesn't take... You know, sometimes we can be tired and drained and everything, but I think it takes less than maybe we think it does to really be there for somebody in a way that can be helpful. And if you want to just, if you want to, yeah, so yes, 100% to that. And you can also just say things that are really simple in those moments, like, I am here for you. We're in this together. I understand. Yes. Like the most basic fucking shit is so powerful. <laughs> it <laughs> really moments. is. Yeah. It really is. The most basic things. It's like that simple and that hard at the same time. Yes. Ah, yeah. yeah. oh, well, uh, I think that we ha- got to wind it down. I mean, man, yeah. we talked about a lot. We talked about grief, talked about the importance of grief and those feelings, how to feel a feeling, mm-hmm. how to sit with the feeling. Mm-hmm. I was very, uh, excited to hear about your suspenders and jeans and i'm very much looking forward to the photos of that and uh yeah anything any last words um no i just i love that um everyone is you know listening to this episode i hope that you're getting a lot out of it and if you are you should tell us send us a message leave us a review share the podcast episode with all your buddies um, and I can't Tell us to... any ways that this may have changed. Yeah. Even just a little for you. Yes, we want to know. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. We'll see you later. Bye. Okay, bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.